man was driving down the road at 30 miles an hour, and he noticed that there was a chicken following him, 30 miles an hour. So he went up to 40, up to 50 miles an hour, and the chicken came alongside him. And he noticed that the chicken had three legs. And the chicken just zoomed past him, cut in front of him, and went over to this farm. So the man pulled in real quickly into the farm to where the gate was. An old farmer came out. The man told his story. The man said this, so you raise three-legged chickens? The old farmer said, yeah, we do. He said, my goodness, you know, you put a couple of them together, you get an extra couple drumsticks, <laughs> you know, a couple legs. And that they must really taste good. The old farmer says, don't know, never caught one. <laughs> so I thought I'd tell <laughs> You might get that in a little bit. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 talks about strongholds. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity under control every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's a great, great passage of Scripture. And I want to use the title of my, my message is, is the stronghold of rejection. The stronghold of rejection. Uh, Paul tries to encourage young Timothy from being discouraged because of being rejected. He said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, Timothy, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Then he said in 1 Timothy 4, 12, Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example in the believers, in word and conversation, charity and spirit and faith and purity. <clears throat> so he's trying to tell this young preacher now, a good man, but some fear of rejection because he was younger uh, might enter in. Then Paul gives his own testimony. He said, you're always going to face this. He said, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. In other words, when you work in the Lord's business, you're going to come across peoples who will not accept you. They will reject you, won't they? Thus, this thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. He says, Timothy, you're not the only one who's rejected. And all those people, those churches, Colossae, Ephesus, so on, a lot of those people turned away from me. They re they've rejected me and gone a different way. He says then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, the gospel of grace, mystery gospel, wherein I suffer trouble because of that gospel. As an evildoer, even under bonds. They put me in prison because of it. But the word of God is not bound. So here we have 
the older, mature man, Paul, trying to encourage the young preacher man, Timothy. And he says, Timothy, listen, there's going to be a lot of times in your life you're going to be rejected. And we find that out, whoever you are in this life, uh, it's a downer when you get rejected, isn't it? I mean, it just kind of takes you down a little bit. I like the story of Cinderella. You've seen it, I'm sure, many times. And uh, she had the wicked stepmother and the two daughters. And all they could see in Cinderella was silly, stupid, in the way, ugly, and unkempt. That's what they thought saw Cinderella. But the prince who would become king, he saw in Cinderella beauty, intelligence, and strength. And it paid off, didn't it? <laughs> Though often we're rejected by those of the world, just remember, God sees things differently in us that the world cannot see. Plastic surgeon said, he had a little model, new faces, new lives. <laughs> like the guy who went to the psychiatrist. He's talking about being rejected all the time and everything. And the doctor said, go, go on over there and lay down and face down on the, on the couch there. Sometimes that's the way you feel, that nobody cares about you. I'm usually rejected, whatever it might be. This, this uh, surgeon said, no uh, new faces, new lives. He says, but afterward, they still have, they're still anxious and they're still depressed. He said he learned that to have a lasting change, you have to take care of, the, of all the scars that are on the inside of an individual person. You and I, we've had or are having, going through, rejections in our life and rejection scars our confidence it makes us feel inferior inadequate unbelonging many have been rejected by their parents their spouses their peers their partners their bosses and the problem is after being knocked down so much sometimes you just don't want to ever get back up do you some think, if I could just be perfect, then everybody would accept and approve of me. That's not true. Jesus Christ was sinless. <laughs> Isaiah 53, 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. That's his people. John 1.11 says this here. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He was rejected. You see, there's different kinds of rejections. There's the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, the social, the biblical and spiritual rejection from other people. You know, as a pastor over the years, in the past, I tried to make, relationships with other pastors tried to build relationships or whatever just uh, be able to go out and have a meal together and you know and talk and things like that and I never could get anybody to want to be with me that's just a fact I mean I'd wine them dine them no wine but I you know what I mean I I take care of them I'd get the bill I'd say a thing I'd go look at their church and say man that's great you know whatever 
And I think God was preparing me for being a rightly divider, and I didn't know it. <laughs> but I had a hard time, and you, after a while, you feel rejected. So for some reason, they don't like me. And what's not to like? Now, come on. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Rejectors say this, what in the world is wrong with you? Why can't you be more like, and you fill in the blank, <laughs> You've been nothing but trouble since you've been born. You just don't fit. You make me sick. Can't you do anything right? No wonder you don't have any friends. You're so stupid. I can't believe you did such a thing. You'll never amount to anything. You're a klutz, a jerk, a wimp, no good. You don't matter. And after a while, that begins to sink into our subconscious mind, doesn't it? There's an old song that says, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Words do hurt you. You can say something that's kidding, but it hurts. My, you do have hairy legs for a girl. Or you get kind of mean, you say, how would you know about family? You're a foster kid. Mm. Get out of here. You're not one of us. Kids can be cruel sometimes, can't they? They say broken bones heal quicker than a broken spirit. And I believe that's true sometimes. After being rejected so much by others, we then begin to reject ourselves. We think they're right. And we begin to think we're unworthy, inferior, inadequate. And we even begin to feel like God rejects us. That's an awful point to be. All these rejections has caused us to look at ourselves through distorted mirrors. You remember those distorted mirrors at the carnival or the funhouse? Some people look better in them. But anyway, you know, <laughs> but you know they make you tall or smart or, you know, short and all that. Uh, well, we do that sometimes when we look at ourselves. But since being saved, now let me explain that. That means that I heard the message, faith cometh by hearing. And I heard that Jesus Christ loved me so much on a cross he died for all my sins. And he took my sins away, and they buried it deep and far away. And the third day, he rose from the grave alive. That's called the gospel, the gospel of grace. It's called a gospel of grace because it means that what he has accomplished, nothing else needs to be added to it. Not church membership, giving your money, keeping the Ten Commandments. That has nothing to do with being saved or salvation. Everything needed for salvation has been done, accomplished. It's finished. All you need to do is believe. That's all you need to do. Believe him and that message, and he'll save you that moment. So, since we've been saved, God's truth of who we are in Christ and in God's sight, that begins to help remove some of those hurts and those rejections and those scars that we've stored up inside of us 
And it's as we grow and mature in the scripture, that's when, that's when we begin to let go of what people have said about us or to us. Those things they say are just not true. Maybe in my case, <laughs> but even if true, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We're new people now. All of our sins have been forgiven. Whatever anybody's done to me, I forgive them too because if Christ forgave me all of mine, who am I not to forgive everybody? Hello? Now, how does God see or view us who have been saved? We're in Christ, we're believers, if you are saved. First of all, we, we're acceptable. We're acceptable. You know, we work hard at being accepted. We do certain things, we wear certain clothes, we drive certain cars, we join certain clubs, we run with certain people, all with the hopes of belonging and being accepted. God says this to you today, Ephesians 1, 6. He says this, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We're accepted with God and in God. There's no conditions, no earning it, no deserving it. It's unconditional acceptance. God accepts us always. Now that's good for some people. Some have grown up in unpleasant homes with unpleasant parents. Perhaps they were perfectionists, and no matter how hard you tried, it was never enough to get their approval if you got B's, they wanted A's. If you got A's, they wanted A pluses. You were never good enough. Some parents, they just didn't care what you did just so you didn't interfere with their lives. <laughs> it's as if you didn't mean that much. It's as if you didn't even exist. In all likelihood, you'll not get their approval. Not because of who you are, but because of who too bad they are. They're the problem, and it's not you. But the good news is you don't need their approval because you have God's approval. You have the church's approval. The word accepted means highly favored. That's what God thinks of us. I have a problem sometimes beating myself up. I look at myself too negative sometimes. And I need to step back and say, I'm highly favored in the person of Christ. Amen? And we all need to do that at times. The second thing is we're valuable. Not because of who we are, but because of him. For some reason, he loves us. And that makes us valuable. I don't know why he loves us. You know, he gave us an eternal soul. It states in Mark 8, 36, he states this, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Our soul is significant. 
It is something special because it's eternal. And it's so special, or so, is that Romans 8, 32 happened. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He was willing to send his only begotten unique son to an old cross because of our soul that we might be able to be saved. Just for fun, a doctor did a study of how much we're worth, the average height and weight. And he took all of our enzymes out of a body, hormones, minerals, and the net worth was $6,1,544. He said, then if you would turn your hormones into molecules, then into cells and so on, then you would add up to be $6,000 trillion. <laughs> we better hurry up and cash that in because Biden's going to spend it. But anyway, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I thought I'd have a little fun. But in a fun way, we're priceless. Amen? But the truth is, the reason we're valuable, we matter to God. It states 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty might be rich. What an exchange. The third thing is, we're lovable. Isn't that good? We're lovable. You say nobody loves you. That's not true. Ephesians 3, 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which patheth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of God, how rich, how pure, amen? God loves us unconditionally, constantly, and consistently. It's not today he loves me, and tomorrow he doesn't love me. He loves me on my good days, but thank God he loves me on all my bad days also. I'm grateful for that. A lady said when she was growing up, she said, I didn't know if I was going to get hugged or slugged. And I, I think that's the way a lot of people view their relationship with God. They don't know if God's going to hug them or slug them. Let me just say God loves you. We never have to wake up in the morning and say, God, do you love me today? Not with God. It's not, did I read my Bible enough, God? Did I pray enough? Did I live godly enough? Did I give enough? God, are you going to love me today? Well, Romans 5 eight tells me something. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If he loved me as a sinner, don't you think he's going to love me as one of his children? I believe that he will. Daniel chapter 10, verse 19 and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. How many times has God done that for you? 
when the love of Christ begins to flood your heart and your soul at times. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Nothing. We're lovable. So we're accepted, we're valuable, we're loved, then four, we're forgiven. Boy, I'm grateful for that. He had to shed a lot of blood for me. <laughs> Somebody said that one drop. I think it took more for me. <laughs> That's just in my thinking. Man was driving up to his cabin in the mountains. He had a new car, but it began to stall on him. So he pulled over to the side of the road and stopped. No sooner than he got out of his car, another vehicle coming down the road hit his car, knocked it off the road and tumbled, and it totaled it. Then the other car drove away, leaving him stranded there all by himself. He thought to himself, boy, I'm having a bad day today. <laughs> so he hiked the rest of the way to his cabin. It was rain and snow mixing together. He soaked, and he finally got there, and his cabin had burnt down. And as he looked at his cabin, he started to walk toward it, and he slipped and fell and hit his head on a tree. And finally, he cried out, Why me, God? Why me, God? Why me, God? I don't know why he said three times. I guess he wanted the whole Godhead to answer this question. I don't know. <laughs> But when he said that, the clouds cleared and a booming voice said, because some people just tick me off. <laughs> That's how some believe God works in their lives. God's ticked at me. God's mad at me. He's getting even with me. This is my punishment. He's evening the score or leveling the flame. But I don't think you have to worry about that. Ephesians 1, 7 is so true. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have total forgiveness. When he forgave you of your sin, he forgave your past sin, your present sin, your future sin, making you always have fellowship and a relationship with God. Uh, it states in Colossians 2, 13, the last part of that verse, Right in the middle, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. God's forgiven us, and he's not ticked at us. Do you know God never brings up the past? He never brings up one of our sins because all of our sins have been forgiven. So we need to stop this stuff about God. A lady kept going forward in church. Each Sunday, the invitation would be given. She'd come to the altar, and people would pray with her. And she would always say, the Lord convicted me of sin. This went on week after week after week. It was the sin of the week. <laughs> Finally, the counselor said to her, does God ever say anything nice to you? <laughs> You know, let me ask you, does he ever say anything nice to you? Is it always in a bad light? Here's some good news. God isn't mad at us. God's forgiven us. And by the way, he doesn't look at us like you think. 
Philippians 3, 9 says this, and being found where? In him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. In other words, when you get saved, he takes you out of Adam and he places you into Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. You're no longer in Adam, in sin, on your way to hell. All things are become new. Now you're in Christ and you're on your way to heaven and all your sins have been forgiven, past, present, future. You have all of that now. And the Father always sees us now as his children through his Son, through the finished work. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he hath made him, Christ, to be sent for us who knew no sin, that we, the believer, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, I'm in Christ, the Holy Spirit's in me, and we're in the Father, and I'm in there. And when the Father looks at me, he only sees his Son's righteousness robed around me. Nothing can penetrate that. That's why he always loves me. That's why I'm valuable. That's why I'm always accepted. Amen. That's why I have a relationship each and every day of my life. Even when I blow it, I'm still in there. Thank God for that truth. Amen. And the last thing is this here. We're capable we're capable. All of that makes us capable now to be, to do something for God in our life. He says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. How does, that work? How does God strengthen me? Well, it states in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Because when you get saved, his presence in the person of the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence with inside your body. Christ now, through the Spirit of God, lives in us. And because of his presence, he works in our soul, in our inner man, trying to get us to follow God's will and not the old man's way. Amen? That's why we can become capable. When we realize that, we can be ready for anything. It's when we put God's strength in its fullness in us, making us more than sufficient for what God wants us to do. Paul stood up, and think of all the things that Paul did. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. The reason I'm capable is God works in me. The reason you're capable, because he lives in you if you're a child of God, you're capable. I don't care what people say. You can be rejected a million times. He says you're capable because of my presence in your life. Now go out and do something for my glory. And God will honor you for that. And even though many of you are successful in your life, you handle problems. Yet still with some, at times, there's that inner feeling of insecurity, rejection, lack of confidence. Why is that? It's because we're still listening to the voices of our past and not the voice of God through his word. 
the voices of the past that say, you don't matter. God says, you matter to me. A voice that says, you're a loser. God says, you're not. If anything, you're a winner. The world says, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be significant. God says, you have, you will, you are, and you're mine. So it's time not to listen to those rejecting voices that are wrong and li listen to the voice of God through his word of what is true and what is right. And that is explain us being in Christ. It's time we start looking at ourselves the way God says we truly are. Today, if you're saved, you're acceptable, you're valuable, you're lovable, you're forgivable, and you're capable. And if God says this of us, and he does, it really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Amen? We put too much stock in people who don't have a relationship with God. Amen? And I close with this illustration. Fred Craddock. He's a professor at a Bible school. He and his family went on vacation to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. They went to one of the restaurants and they were seated. After they were seated, an older white-haired man came over and asked them if they were having a good time. Were they on vacation? And Fred said, yes, we are on vacation. The man says, what do you do? Fred said, well, I'm a professor of homiletics, putting together and so on, sermons and teaching, so on. And Fred thought that that might just turn the old man off and he'd walk away. But the white-haired man, gentleman, said this, oh, so you're a preacher. <laughs> he said, let me tell you a preacher's story. And he drew himself up a chair and sat down. He said this, he said, I was born an illegitimate child. I never knew who my father was. I had a hard time with that. At school, they called me names and made fun of me. I always felt when in public, everyone was staring at me, thinking, who was his father? I was a loner. I had no friends. One day, a new preacher came to town, and everyone said that he was good. So I would go and listen to him preach. I'd leave early every service so I wouldn't have to speak to him or answer people. The preacher was good. That's where I came to faith. So I went back, kept going back, but one Sunday he said amen before I had left. I tried to leave, but the crowd kind of hemmed me in. Then a big hand rested on my shoulder. It was the preacher's. He said, what's your name, boy? Whose son are you? He said, I just shook when he asked that question. Then the preacher said, oh, I know who you are. I know whose family you're in. There's a distinct resemblance. Why, you're a child of God. The old man said to Fred, he said, you know, mister, 
Those words changed my life. Then the old man got up and he left. The waitress came over then and she asked, she said, do you know who that was? Fred, the professor, said, no, I don't. She said, that was Ben Hooper, two-term governor of Tennessee. A man who had been rejected over and over in his life, learned about being a child of God, and it changed his life. He saw himself through God's eyes, who he was in Christ, and that made all the difference. Amen? So I'm saying to you, regardless of how often you've been rejected, I know it hurts. I've been rejected many times. But let me say something to you. Don't look at yourself by what they're saying. Look at yourself by what God's saying. And that will make all the difference in the world, in your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 again says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Let me ask you, are you in Christ? If you're not in Christ... You don't have these promises to you. You're still lost in your sins, still darkened, still not understanding what the Bible says or whatever. What you need to do, first of all, before you'll ever understand, the reason is the Spirit of God wrote the Word of God. He used men. And when He comes inside of you, when you get saved, then He, the author of that Scripture, He's working in you to help you to begin to understand the scriptures and what they mean. You won't understand that until you get saved first. Hello? So I say to you, without Christ, you're lost, and you will go to hell one day. But with Christ... What he did for you, he died for you, he was buried, he rose again. Who he is and his work is enough to save you. All you need to do this morning is tell God, God, I know I'm a sinner, but God, I believe. I'm believing that Jesus is your son and he died for my sins and rose again and that's sufficient, that's enough to say, God, I believe. And you mean it from your heart. And if you do that, he'll save you this morning. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank, thank you for loving us. Thank you that we're not what the world always says we are. All of us have been rejected so much, so often, and it's a miracle to us that you haven't rejected us, but you've embraced us. And for that, I just want to say, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful you reached down in the pits of the muck and you touched my heart one day and you lifted me out of that when I believed in Christ. And God, you washed me clean and you made me one of your own. For that, I know I will be eternally grateful. But until we go to heaven, may myself and others, may we burn out for you. We believe time is short. And if ever we're going to be a light for you, we have to do it now. So may we begin to show Christ in our lives. For that person who believed this morning, we thank you that you still save people by faith. 
And I just pray that they come and get a book in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.